Hello and welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast. This is Eric Murtaugh back for our 32nd episode. Um, excited to bring with you two new writers to our site. Uh, they've joined in the last couple of weeks, um, mostly as recruiting writers, although they'll probably cover some other things as well as time goes on. The first person I want to introduce to everybody today is Brendan. He's uh, known on the site as Manor98. Brendan, how are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on here, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, the second person I want to introduce to you is our second new writer, obviously. His name is Jamie Uima. Jamie, how you doing? Good, doing well. All right, so we haven't had a podcast in about a month, so the first thing I want to start with is basically just kind of go down a few of the things that have gone on over the past month. And the first thing is, ironically, Brendan's three-part post on... <laughs> The 2015 draft picks and how they've all fit in with the NFL clubs. Um, I believe it was was it eight eight players were taken in the NFL draft. Eight draftees. Yep. Yeah, second, second most behind LSU. Yeah. All right. So um, my question to you two is: um, five years from now, uh, get out your crystal balls <laughs> and predict who you think will be the top NFL player from Notre Dame out of this draft. Hmm. Let's start with you, Brendan. You go first. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a tough question. I mean, I think probably the surest thing, uh, of course, is Zach Martin. I think his his floor is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. There are there are other guys. I, I would say if he fulfills his potential, I would say to it, because I think he he has it in him to be a, a dominant level uh, defensive end. But um, you know, his floor is a little less certain than than uh, Martin, given what we've seen over the last year. But uh, I think he definitely could be the star. Now, Jamie, you're not going to really pick an offensive lineman, are you? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Zach Martin is the obvious He's the obvious choice, right? He, he is, yeah, the safest uh, pick, pick to take there. Um, obviously, he was the highest picked as well. Um, I, you know... I would I if I'm a player that I'm rooting for, uh, Lewis Nix obviously everybody loves Big Lou. Um, yeah. I w- want him to do well. I think he's going into a great situation yeah. uh, in um, Houston with uh, Romeo Cornell, and I think he's going to plug in right away at, at nose tackle. And they've got a, I mean. People talked about Jadavian Clowney getting to play with J.J. Watt. He's going to get to play with J.J. Watt to see how he works every day, and I think that's going to really, really benefit. I think too, it went into a really good situation in Pittsburgh too. You know, obviously they have Dick LeBeau there, um, and they have a lot of veterans on that on that defense. I think both of them, uh, even though they didn't go as high as they might have wanted to, they got into good situations. And uh, you know what? If 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 I can't pick Zach Martin, I would probably say to it as well. But uh, uh, you know, don't sleep on uh, Lewis Nix. I think he's going to have a, a pretty nice career. You think um, Troy Nicholas is a sleeper pick in, kind of from that draft? Uh, I mean, I, I do think Nicholas, like he's nowhere near the player that he could be. But I'm just, I'm always scared of a player that uh, didn't dominate at the college level and how uh, he's going to project at the next level. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, you hear a lot, uh, they talk about his potential as a blocker and he could be the best blocking tight end in the draft. And he just really didn't do that good of a job as a blocker at Notre Dame. Like, he, he was solid, but definitely not dominating. And I think he really, really would have served... It would have served him well to stay another year, and I think it would have helped him in his progression too as a pro. I mean, he's going he's going to uh, Bruce Arians and you know a good offense there, and he'll get he'll get an opportunity to play. But I mean, I look at a guy like Kyle Rudolph, who I thought like this guy has all the potential in the world. It it just the quarterback is so important when it comes to a tight end yeah. as well. And I I mean they have Carson Palmer, and 
I think, you know, he could be out of the league in a year or two. Like, and I, I don't know who they got next. So, I mean, a lot of it depends on his uh, quarterback situation. Yeah. I think he has definitely has all the physical tools to be a, a high-end player, you know, but he's, like like Jamie touched on, he's so raw in a lot of areas right now that, it, you know, he's got to develop quickly to to really make a big impression. And, you know, it could happen, sure, right? But um, when a guy has to make leaps like that in several areas, you just never know how it's going to work out. Is there any way that the best player from this draft will be anyone from Watt on to the, the later picks, maybe T.J. Jones, Bennett Jackson? I, you know, it's tough to see those guys now topping out better than, than a Zach Martin, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough call. Uh, I'd say maybe actually from the undrafted ranks, you know, I've heard a lot of good stuff early about Dan Fox. Um, I was a little surprised he wasn't invited to the Combine, and I think he showed well enough on Pro Day that he showed he could have been or he should have been invited, um, and I doubt he would have been undrafted if he was. But, uh, you know, he, he might be able to make a splash. But I, I think the top couple of guys that were picked are just are pretty pretty good bets in the league, and it's going to be pretty tough to, to pass them. I, I would say Watt, if I had yeah. to choose out of those guys. Yeah. Uh, I almost picked him for the best uh, player five years from now. I, I mean, I think Zach Martin is going to be a better uh, pro than him, but I do think Chris Watt is going to be a pro for a long time. Yeah. I think he's going to start in San Diego, yeah. and uh, I think he's just a tough-as-nails player and is going to uh, have, a, have a pretty long career in the NFL. Yeah, yeah I agree. He's in a great situation there, too. Guys, you still there? Yep. Yeah, I'm here. We might have lost Eric. Oh, we might have lost Eric, I think. <laughs> oh, what do you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, what? Yeah, like you say, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about his temperament, too, as being the perfect uh, perfect guard temperament, you know. You kind of think that he'll uh, he'll have a good shot at sticking around for a long time. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess while, while Eric's going, we might as well go through the, the rest of the guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Bennett Jackson, uh, I think he's going to be a, a, a good special teams player. Uh, obviously, he was a very good special teams player his first couple of years at Notre Dame. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, team captain. Uh, Mike Mayock talked a lot about him in the safety, uh, possibly, and I think that yeah. might be a better fit because even though he tested out pretty well, I'm not sure that he has, uh, you know, the top end speed to stay with. Some of those guys are, right. or um, just the the natural instincts to kind of yeah. play corner uh, at a high level against like some of the best uh, receivers in the NFL. But yeah. uh, I th- I think he's gonna, you know, have a nice little career in the NFL. You know, uh, he'll get his pension. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. You know, it's interesting you mentioned safety because I was just thinking about that um, the other day. The Giants cut Will Hill. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of thought, like, hey, you know, one of the things they talk about is Bennett has a way to go in, in learning coverage, which is not surprising because three years ago he was a receiver. Um, but, uh, you know, they, that could potentially open a door for a move to him too. And they had another uh, um, uh, corner that was uh, suspended for four games as well yeah. too. So, yeah, uh, yeah he's – I would say his chances of making the team are a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know they really like his physical skills. And actually, I, I had read uh, one write-up that said from a Giants fan site that said uh, his instinct skills were pretty decent. His mechanical skills as a cornerback position were rough, um, but the coachable stuff. So they believe they can coach him up and and uh, make him into maybe not a frontline player, but certainly a contributor. Yeah, the one guy who I'm not exactly sure about how he's how it's going to turn out for him is is Shembo, uh, Prince Shembo. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you hear he's getting a lot of looks at inside linebacker, and 
I just don't know if that's the best fit for him. I think he's just might be the classic tweener guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always find it hard to believe. I know he, he started for three years at Notre Dame, so maybe he didn't get in on special teams because, uh, you know, they wanted to keep some of the starters off. But, yeah. uh, but a guy who didn't play a lot on special teams or didn't make an impact on special teams and then is expected to make a big impact on special teams in right. uh, at the next level. I just, you know, it, it happens sometimes, definitely, but sure. uh, I think it's pretty rare. And mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't, I don't know where his career is going to go. And yeah. uh, but then I, you know, they have talked about them switching to a three-four, so maybe he'll get a shot on the edge. But, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'll be interested to see how it goes in in fall camp. You know. With him, I think, because um, it does sound like at least somebody there, Smith, Nolan, is interested in what they're seeing out of him right now. Um, you know, Smith said he likes his potential as a pass rusher. I was, I mean, I, hey, you know, I'm not trying to put the guy down. We all saw what he's capable of at Notre Dame, um, but I don't think he blew anyone out of the water. But maybe it's just a question of being in the right system, you know, and deployed the right way, and he'll get his chances. Yeah, and then obviously, uh, lastly, T.J. Jones, mm. um, who I mean, I, I I'm a big fan of T.J. Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe in another draft uh, that wasn't so deep with receivers, he, he yeah. could have got picked a lot higher yeah. than he was. Uh, I mean, he's not the not the biggest guy out there, but right. I mean, I, I was I was pretty surprised that he had as good of a senior season as he had, and he really showed yeah. me a lot of good things and. Uh, you know, he came. He was he was a guy that uh, you kind of didn't think was going to live up to his potential uh, right. or his high ranking coming out of uh, out of out of high school, and mm-hmm. you know had some adversity with his father passing away, and right. but he ended up having a you know a really good career at right. Notre Dame and having a yeah. great senior year, and yeah. I, I think he can play in in the slot and be a guy who's uh, you know have have a career like a um, you know, like a Jericho Cotchery, Jason Avant type guy where he's, he's in the league for a long time. All right, so our second topic here, we're going to talk a little bit about a series that I've been doing on the site for a few weeks. Got a, three or four of those articles out already. We'll have 15 in total, and that is the top 75 worst losses in Notre Dame history. Now, what I wanted to talk to you guys with, um, I want to talk to you guys about was your personal worst losses in your lifetimes. Um, you know, maybe sprinkle in some background when you first became a fan and then give us your uh, your top loss. Um, whoever wants to uh, start the agony can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> give a happy it a, topic. Right? Give it a try. Um, yeah, well, the first game I saw in the stadium was 94 opener against Michigan. And uh, that was one of those gut punch losses. You know, we... They came in. Of course, we finished the season six, five, and one. But I, preseason, I think we were number three, oh, and yeah. number three or four, and Michigan was number six. So it was a huge game, right? And um, epic battle, slugfest, back and forth. And we took the lead with uh, 52 seconds left. Great touchdown by Mays. Um, he actually sprained his ankle getting his foot down in bounds for the catch. It was phenomenal. Every you know, place is going nuts. And then uh, Michigan just marched right down the field and kicked the game winner as time expired. And I remember the place, you know, even as they're moving down the field, everybody's just nuts, nonstop. And up to the minute or the second his foot hit the ball, the, the noise was unbelievable. And then the whole stadium went dead quiet as we're watching the ball go up. And it went through, and the sound just never started again. <laughs> you know, it was just like the whole place was just deflated. And, you know, at the time I thought, wow, epic battle. All right, man, that's all right. We'll pick ourselves up. And it's two good teams, you know. Yeah, it didn't quite work out that way. But <laughs> and uh, that, that's the gut punch kind. I would say I was at the Navy game in the Meadowlands in 2010 oh. where they just took it to us, and that was tough to watch too, you know, that, that from the surprising standpoint where they do they shouldn't be able to push us around like that. That was a tough one. So that 94 loss I don't even think made the top 100 when I was cutting down the really? list. That's probably, probably the next five in, I would say. It's a pretty yeah. bad loss, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I guess it happens, but you know, it, yeah, there's it a tough one. There's a lot of them. What about you, Jamie? 
Uh, definitely for me, uh, 93, mm. uh, the Boston College game. Uh, I, you know, it was, it was just when I was start of really was fully invested in the Irish. And I mean, it was a magical season. Uh, you know, I remember watching the Florida state game the, the week before and it, I mean, it couldn't have been more like, like it was magical, like the whole pregame with, uh, I mean, every, every once in a while I'll still watch, uh, the Bob Costas, uh, you know, pre pregame thing that they, it's yeah. on YouTube somewhere and it just gives me goosebumps every time. It, I mean, it was a phenomenal game and everyone was picking Florida state to win that game. And obviously, uh, Notre Dame won and, you know, Jim Flanagan was on the cover of SI and everyone was just so high. Uh, and just on a on a huge high from that game, and then the next week, I remember I couldn't watch the game, and I was because I, I had a hockey game that day during the day, and I came I was in the car with my dad, and we put it on the radio, and we listened to the last uh, part of uh, the Boston College game. And oh my god, I remember just being crushed. It was <laughs> horrible. Like I it just you know, still not over it to this day. It was it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible loss. And just everything that happened in that game. Yeah. Uh and I I mean I didn't even get to see a lot of the big moments, but just the fact that I mean, it just should have never happened, right? There's no it, you know, I guess it was just a big letdown game. Um, you know, that was my first really big experience. But if I had to say the worst, uh, you know, I know it's cliche, but the Bush-Push game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I mean, that was the worst. Uh, uh, I, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, we had just started dating maybe a couple months before that. I oh. um, uh, was watching the game at her house. I don't think she kind of understood how much that uh, I, I, you know, I, I really uh, got into the games and yeah. uh, how big of a fan I was, and just there was so much happening in that game where it looked I was like, wow, and I mean there's so many down years, and at that point too, it really looked like you know something magical could happen in that game, and just. Mm -hmm. How it ended, oh man, I was distraught. It was, yeah. it was terrible. Like, uh, I think I we I think we almost broke up after that game because uh, she didn't quite understand the, the yeah. gravity for for me personally. But uh, I ended up smoothing it over after. But uh, it was a pretty crushing loss at the time. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, it was it was terrible. I got in trouble with my father-in-law because I was watching the game at their house. And when Zibby ran back to punt for a touchdown before half, I uh, put put my hand in his ceiling fan. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, you know, you keep reliving the BC thing. You know, I keep reliving that fourth and nine, and Ambrose Wooden is two inches away. I'm like, come on, you know, stretch a little more. Oh, but, hey, fourth you know, down. Yeah, yeah. I thought when was it Laws sacked him on third? I think Laws yep. sacked him on third down, and yeah. I remember in this day and age, I think it was just in the moment he got away with. It could have been a celebration penalty because I think he yeah. did like some weird like he did a little dance thing, dance yeah. or something like sack dance. Yeah, and at that moment, I was like, "Oh my god, Andy's gonna win this game." Yeah, yeah, me too. When we and got then the third just down sack. crushed right yeah. after. Oh man! <laughs> Took all about five seconds yeah. to take that away. <laughs> no, it didn't last very long. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I, I would. would Minter. <laughs> <laughs> I have three games I think that I could probably put up there. The first one is really the first um, clear memory I have of a Notre Dame game. I can remember um, going over to my grandpa's house, you know, as a five, six-year-old, and. Um, watching him watch Notre Dame games and kind of getting hooked, but I don't really remember those games in any detail. The first game I do remember, um, I remember it was, well, it was New Year's Day, right? It was the 91 Orange Bowl, um, the Rocket Clip game. Oh, the punt, yeah. And, uh, you know, I just remember being in my bedroom uh, watching the game, kind of by myself. I think my parents had some people over in the living room. <laughs> and 
you know, watching that that punt return and then just screaming, walking, running into the living room, screaming, "He did it! He did it! Rocket did it!" Um, and then walking back into the bedroom and finding out the terrible news, oh, you know, that the, <laughs> it came cool. back. So that would that would probably be the first one. Um, you know, obviously you have to put the bush push up there. Um, but I think looking back, I don't think I would could have said this, uh, you know, like a couple days later. But I still kind of think there was some doubt whether we were really a great team. You know, Michigan State wasn't great. We had already lost to them. Um, but, you know, anytime you have the chance to beat the number one team and it ends like that, that was pretty terrible. But I think my first one, I I think I have to say South Florida just because um, of oh, all the yeah, weird things that happened in yeah. that game. Um, yeah. You know, a little background on that. I was about three months into dating my um, girlfriend at the time, now fiancé, and, you know, she knew that I was heavily involved in Notre Dame, had this website and all that, and I was like, well, what am I going to do for the first game? Do I go watch it with her? Does she come over and watch it with me? <laughs> so, you know, I had to deal with that, but the kind of locked out, I guess, um, she went on a trip to New York City that weekend. So I'm sitting in my house watching that game, and it also happened to be the first game we did an, a live open thread on our on our website. Uh, we had just moved to SB Nation, and they're like, you know, you should do these open threads and have people come talk. Now, I don't know if anybody, I know some of the people who are listening have tried to participate in open thread and watch a football game. It's really hard to do. So <laughs> this is the first time I was, you know, basically, you know, trying to watch the thread, talk to people, watching the game, um, you know, trying to get texts from my girlfriend at the time. She's texting me. I'm ignoring it because I was too, you know, involved with the game. And then, of course, everything that went on with that game. And I remember checking my texts at halftime, and she's like, well, how's it going? I'm like, they're getting shut out at home. It's This is embarrassing. And, you know, she texts me at, like, I don't know what it was, 6.30, and I'm like, the game hasn't even, like, restarted yet. It's still halftime, and ugh, that game was just the worst. And then, of Weird. course, yeah. you know, lasted I, forever. Yeah, yeah and a like, seven-hour game or something. I remember, like, do I make dinner? I was starving, like, it was dinner time. And I'm like, and you didn't know when the game was coming back on. I know at one point they were like, it'll resume at a... And, 30 minutes, but, you know, for, like, two hours, you're sitting there just, like, is it coming on, like, next commercial? Like, when is this game coming back? So, um, and then, you know, the aftermath of that, Dan Chris, you know, being benched, and, you know, you know, he, you could make a case he played okay in 2010, coming back in 2011, winning that thing. Oh, it was just, that probably, you know, takes the cake for me. It's the worst loss. Yeah. And it was really kind of, I know uh, t uh, Tommy Reese... Uh, you know, started games uh, the year before, obviously when Dane went out for the season, but uh, that was the official, like, Tommy Reese is the starter game. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has an opinion about uh, Tommy Reese, uh, but it was just, it was the first game of uh, crushing red zone interceptions uh, that, uh, yeah. The dork. yeah. That that uh, yeah, I always remember for that. It was that was uh, yeah that that was a brutal loss. Yeah. All right, so let's try to move on to uh, some happier <laughs> topics now. Thanks for pouring salt on old wounds, Eric. That was great. Right. Yeah. Since we're still kind of recapping uh, the past month, uh, we're gonna go back a little bit and talk about some new commits. We actually had a couple of surprising commits. Um, three weeks ago, maybe, uh, C.J. Sanders, kind of out of nowhere, took a quiet visit to Notre Dame. Um, none of the recruiting sites really reported on it. I don't think anybody really knew he was at school. And uh, he ends up committing a couple days later. Uh, my question to you guys is, um, with Guyton already in the fold, that gives us two receivers. Um, I've talked about in the site a little bit how, you know, from a number standpoint, two receivers looks pretty good right now. But, you know, there's... You could make a case at least a dozen more receivers or slot back slash running back hybrid players still available that are still on Notre Dame's radar. Um, I've kind of offered up before in the past that I think Sanders might uh, switch to corner. Just want to know what your guys' thoughts were on that. And, uh, you know, maybe is it going to depend on who else joins the class and what kind of type of receiver they are? Um, I think that Sanders, I think he's a good fit in the slot. Um Maybe you could see him move to corner if recruiting doesn't go that well uh, for corner uh, this cycle. But I really like him as a slot receiver. I think he's a tough kid. Um, can do a lot of 
different things. Uh, really talented. I mean, just got an invite to the opening. Um, I, I like him at slot. Uh, would be nice to add a, a guy like uh, Ryan Newsom, but you know, you got to wait till he gets on campus and see where we stand there. But uh, I, I think Sanders, his future is in the slot, and you know, we really struggled with having a good like slot receiver, not just a um, uh, oh Manti Teo's friend. From the oh, line, Robbie Toma. Yeah. Robbie Toma. Yeah. Robbie Toma. Like, <laughs> but you know what? Right there, he's a forgettable type of guy. Uh, you know, a, a hardworking guy. Uh, you know, reliable player, but not a threat to really do anything from the slot. Like, not a threat to make any big plays. And I think Sanders can do that. And you know, could be a possible kick returner too, which obviously yeah. we've been terrible. Uh, for the last like few years, although TJ Jones, I thought did a solid job last year, uh, but I, I like San- Sanders in the slot. He's got good speed too, which is something we haven't had there yet. You know, I think he was second in Tennessee in the hundred meter. Um, so you know, we haven't really had a blazer. I don't know how his acceleration is, of course, but we haven't really had that guy who's a threat to take it to the house out of there too. You know, so what about? Um, what about this scenario where Crawford commits and he's a lot smaller than Sanders? What if they put Crawford in the slot? Would you think Sanders is more likely to move to corner then? Um, I could see that possibly happening, but I think they really like Crawford at corner. I really like Crawford at corner. He's a really good tackler. Yeah. Uh, I could see him as a really good blitzer and someone who can play the nickel. Uh which, you know, sounds like we're going to play a lot of nickel in the next couple of years. Um, I can I think he's a better suitor for defense, but, I mean, if you watch his film, uh, I mean, Crawford makes a lot of plays on offense, too. He's got crazy speed. Um, yeah. I, I guess he, really he plays see, above his size, too. Yeah, definitely plays bigger than his size. Yeah. I, I yeah. could see that happening, but, I mean, I don't think that's where they're going to start out. So, uh you know, it would have to be like, well, it's not working out here, so we're going to, you know, flip it around. All right. Uh, good enough on that topic. How about uh, Josh Barajas? He flips uh, to Notre Dame. Not really surprising from the aspect of uh, him actually doing it, but the timing kind of came out of nowhere. Hmm. There's no uh, rumors or anything. Uh, do you, how, how secure should we feel with uh, his flipping to Notre Dame? Uh, I'm not going to feel secure until his fax comes in. <laughs> and even <You> then? <laughs> uh, yeah, even then, right. Well, as long as he doesn't have a sick grandma. But, um, you know, I, I, like you say, it was surprising with the timing because I really thought he'd have to get on campus again before we'd be able to flip him. Um, but his coach and his family, you know, supposedly are really hard on our side. Um, I don't know. You know, he's saying the right things. He's saying he's shutting it down, and he realizes it's the best fit, but... I don't think it's ever really over. No. Isn't that, I mean, we can look at that one of two ways. Usually, you know, family coaches are pressuring you. That can usually be a negative thing. Like you know? Elijah Hood. Yeah, is, I mean, is he making up his mind? What do you think, Jamie? I feel pretty secure with him because, uh, you know, usually when guys uh, decommit from ND, uh, it, it usually has to do with guys, you know, figuring out from the family, like, wanting to stay closer to home. And this is, like, the only case that I can remember in the last, like, five years where a guy switched his commitment to ND because it was, like, closer to home and in the region. And uh, so I think, you know, and the other thing is when you read kind of how it all went down, it didn't sound like he was being pressured by his coach or anything like that or it didn't sound like... You know, uh, Elston was all over him. Like he kept in touch with the coach, but didn't wasn't really actively recruiting him, and kind of went about it in a really good way, a uh, really smart way. That's true. Um, and because Brahas too, and the other thing was Brahas. You know, everyone thought that we were uh, definitely the front runner before mm-hmm. he committed to Penn State, and that was definitely a surprise. Uh, and I think you know that had a little bit more to do with the emotion of the moment. And, you know, him, you know, coming to ND uh, rather rather than, uh, you know, decommitting from Penn State, I think had more uh, to do with him actually kind of thinking about 
what's going to happen over over the course of the next like four years and you know after graduation and all that and the value of the degree and and putting all that into perspective. So I I'm, I feel pretty good with him. I mean, you never feel good about anyone. Uh, you know, since we had our quarterback committed in his class and he was supposedly recruiting guys to come play with him and then he, uh, you know, decommitted very quickly. But uh, I, f- I feel pretty solid with Bras. All right, let's talk about Barnett. You brought him up uh, a couple of days ago. Suddenly leaves the class. Uh, there was some smoke there for a day and uh, ended up being true. Um, Notre Dame immediately moves on several other quarterbacks. Um, even I was surprised at how quickly they moved. I thought maybe they would take yeah. a week or so, but uh, they did that within kind of, 24 hours almost. So uh, what do we think of the quarterback? Think they had a good idea. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What are you guys thinking with the uh, the quarterback situation? Obviously, Barnett was, you know, highly highly talented, highly coveted, uh, you know, had a super high ceiling, seemed to be getting better and better, um, but still lots of good options out there. So the world isn't ending, is it? Yeah, I I really like the guys that uh, Andy offered. Um, I definitely uh, Barnett. It always kind of bugged me that he was really kind of open about having these other schools still recruit him. So I never really felt that safe with it. Um, you know, you would look at like some of the mods from the sites from like. Uh, uh, you know, II and, uh, you know, ISD, they were talking about how, oh, no, he's doing this to try to, like, get uh, his ranking up and try to, you know, get out there. But it just kind of, I mean, uh, it just kind of seemed a little questionable to me. So I wasn't, you know, 100% sold on him. And I, I'm guessing, too, like, Notre Dame probably kind of had an idea, too, like, uh Brendan just talked about they must have had an idea, and I really like the guys they they offered right away. I think France, Andre Francois, uh, I really really like him. He's got a really good arm. Uh, he's got he definitely got good potential. You know, all the guys we've uh, offered are dual threats. Um, you know, Travis Waller. Uh, you know, goes to, goes to Servite, same school as Equinemius Brown. I think I said that right. I hope I did. Uh, Saint <laughs> Brown, sorry. Um, ESB, we'll just call him that for now. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's got a ton of potential too. Uh, I really don't think, in terms of uh, where his ceiling is, it's that different than where Barnett's is either. So, I mean, Barnett's is, is a little bit bigger, like he's a little bit taller, but I, I, I don't think it's that big of a difference. And then Jared Stidham, who I'm sure we don't have that good of a shot at. But, I mean, I think he is a phenomenal prospect. I like him a lot better than Barnett. And I, I would say he's probably the number two quarterback in the class, in my opinion, behind uh, Josh Rosen. And I, I think he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's only played one year uh, as a starting quarterback uh, at the high school level. And, he's, I mean, he's only going to get a lot, lot better. And he's, he's a more explosive athlete than Barnett was. So, I mean, if... It sounds like we're in the mix for at least Francois and uh, Waller. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. But if we ended up with those guys, I'd be more than happy. What do you think, Brendan? <laughs> I think everything JB just said. <laughs> no, you know, I uh, I was impressed also, you know, with the how quick the staff was to jump on it. You know, it shows they really had a contingency plan in place. Um, they weren't going to waste any time on it. Um, I think, you know, like Jamie says, Stidham would be a tough job to flip him, you know. It would be great if we could, but ultimately, um, I really like Waller from what I've seen. Maybe we can get him and St. Brown in a package deal um, and have Nicholas go talk to them, right? Um, I, I don't know. You know, I think it's – we looked out a little bit in this, with guys like Waller in the sense that it's a great year in California for quarterbacks, you know. So there are some really good guys like him that are still a little bit under the radar where they would be bigger prospects and have other schools more on them at this point uh, in other years, and that might help us out to uh, to get a pretty decent replacement in there. But ultimately, I think, you know, you want to take a quarterback in every class. Um, we are in a place with who's on the roster now where I don't think we have to take a one body, you know. Um, mm-hmm. 
I prefer to take a guy, but not just to take a guy. Um, so I think the staff, has, you know, they're not they're not in a position where they're forced just yet, and they'll have some options. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys here, um, you know, do you think that the staff should move quickly on on getting a quarterback? Now, let me pose to you a couple scenarios. Um, you know, the thought is Barnett's going to commit to Oregon here in the next week or two. If he does that, then that probably means the staff is going to have to move quickly on someone like Waller to get him into the fold. Right. Um, I know he's supposed to visit um, pretty soon here in the up upcoming future. Um, now, if Barnett doesn't commit to Oregon, um, I know he said he wants to visit LSU, Bama, and Ole Miss. I don't know if he plans on doing that in the next few weeks and then committing at the opening or whatever, but... Um, you know, do do you think we should get a quarterback quickly? Should we, we be kind of afraid of moving on a quarterback that quickly and not, you know, really making sure that quarterback is committed to the university and the school and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. um, I think that both those guys, Francois and Waller, sound like they want to make a decision, uh, you know, sometime in July maybe. And so they're going to kind of force our hands anyways. Right. And, Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, maybe they'll still recruit Stidham if he's interested at that point, if both those guys don't choose Notre Dame. But I can't see, um, you know, I th I think they want to get it over with, and they've kind of, obviously they want to develop a bit of more of a relationship with those guys. But, um, I mean, it's it's almost a good thing that those guys will decide fairly soon so that way, if they really want, if there's one other guy that they want to get in on or a couple other guys that they want to get in on, uh, they can. And it won't be, like, the end of the world. Like, I mean, if you look at, like, Alabama's recruiting this year at quarterback, they've, you know, swung a miss on just about everybody and then had to go, uh, uh, you know, and have been, like, fishing for people and uh, nothing seems to be happening for them, and then they just move on to the next guy. All right. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we're in, we're, like I said, we're not in a terrible position, but at the same time, you know, if the staff does really like these guys like Waller and Francois, we're not in a position where we can string them along either, you know? Yeah. I think. So if Waller says in July he's ready to commit and the staff likes him, then, you know, don't hold out for Stidham or whatever. Take the guy in. There's oh, yeah. They'll take, I think they'll yeah. take whoever, whoever wants yeah. to come first. Hey. Right. Come on, right. come on in. First come, first served. All right, we also got a, a commit uh, yesterday, I believe. Or was it today? I can't remember. Uh, Brandon Tissom yeah. out of Indianapolis, a defensive tackle. He's the first um, defensive tackle or defensive lineman in the 2015 recruiting class. Um, bigger kid. He's got some length. Uh, what do you guys think of this commitment? Um, a little surprising just from his ranking, but it looks like they want to get some bodies in there. Uh, you know, before the summer's over, mm -hmm. you know, get a get a good base there for the class, which I think most people will be pretty happy with. What do you think uh, on that one, Jamie? I, I like Tissom a lot. I think he's uh, he's I think four star on on uh, twenty four seven, but and three star everywhere else. But he's right in that range where he's he's basically like a like a high three, low four star type of player, but. He's got a ton of potential. Uh, he's, you know, a bit more unrefined than some of the top top guys. Um, but I mean, he's a he's a big body, but not just a big body. Like he gets off the ball. Uh, he's a he's a good athlete for his size. Um, he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, I would have been happy with at any time. And I definitely think, uh, you know, there was talk of him. He was going to have to come to Irish Invasion and earn an offer. And I think he's. Definitely someone who uh, deserved an offer before that, and I mean, he's he's right in the same area of talent-wise as like an Elijah Taylor, who you know there's rumors that he might be uh, next in the class too. And uh, I, I like Tissom a lot. I think he'll uh, you know be someone who develops into a good player at Notre Dame, and uh, you know hopefully hopefully one day uh, a pretty good starter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you know you, you look at him; he's a guy that has a good floor, you know. So, um, you know, his tools are good enough, and it, it's hard to see him not being able to contribute down the road. So to, to get a, 
interior defensive lineman in the class you know, relatively early, I, I think it's a great move. All right, that kind of wraps up that section now. Let's go to some more general recruiting info. Um, I wanted to talk about Jamie's two-part post that he debuted on the site last week, um, talking about where the 2014 freshmen that are going to be reporting in the summer here, where they fit in on the defense. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, who do you think has the least amount of question marks in terms of fit just on the defensive side of the ball, and then who do you think has the most question marks um, just um, exclusively on the defensive side of the ball for these incoming freshmen? Um, I... I would say, for me, there's two guys with the least amount of question marks on defense, and that would be Nick Watkins and Niles Morgan. Hmm. Um, I think uh, both of them fit better with the with the new scheme than they did in the previous one. Uh, uh, you know, they both could have played in the previous one, but I, I definitely think it's, it's better for both of them. Uh, Watkins, I think, has a ton of talent. I think he's going to be uh, – he's a guy who can play – uh, like uh, press coverage, really good athlete, good speed, good size. Uh, I think he's somebody. He if we didn't have the the depth at cornerback, I, I think he would would play early, uh, or definitely has a ch- would have a chance of playing early. And I, I yeah, I, I think it would be something bad would have to happen for him to miss if he stays at Notre Dame. Like given his like physical talent, and then Morgan obviously. Yeah, to me, is the most uh, talented player in the class, uh, offense or defense. Uh, I, I love him. I I love him on film. He's great. Uh, just an ex- you know, just fast, good instincts, uh, r- really t- talented guy, and you know, just the kind of speed that we need in uh, a middle linebacker. And uh, I. You know, I mean, anything can happen. There's been, you know, everybody knows that there's been like five star guys who have missed uh, at every school, not just Notre Dame. But uh, I really have a hard time seeing uh, Niles Morgan not becoming a very productive player at Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, like, uh, like you say, I was I was going to say Morgan, but it's a good call on Watkins too. They're both, you know, kind of prototypes for their positions. Um, you know, Morgan, I think I, I would be pretty surprised if he's not starting by maybe the fourth or fifth game, you know, um, give him some time to get acclimated to the speed of the game and all that. But um, I just absolute perfect pattern for what they want to have in that position. Um, Watkins, I think, you know, if if the Cody Riggs transfer hadn't ended, you know, in our favor, I think Watkins probably would have played next year, you know. Um Right now, you know, we have enough bodies that maybe we don't have to. But yeah, he definitely could have stepped right in. So what about both of those? What about uh, least question or uh, most questions? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of fit on that defensive side, for me, it's Greer Martini, and uh, you know, I, I I do think Greer Martini. Like, there's a lot of things to like about him as a player. Um, uh, but I think he's strictly a Mike Backer. Uh, you know, Niles Morgan is also a, a Mike Backer. So there's only one Mike Backer in the defense. So uh, I mean, it's gonna—he's gonna be in tough to comp- compete there. Uh, I don't see him playing well. He's definitely not a Sam. And I there's just—I uh, I think he's a solid player. Um, you know, like a—but just a. A little bit, you know, you know, is he a good enough athlete to compete with some of the other guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, at at linebacker, at Notre Dame, and uh, I just don't know. Like he's, I think he's. I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm hope I'm wrong. Uh, you know, he seems like a good kid, and he was one of the first commits of the class. Uh, but right. yeah, he's definitely the guy that I have the most question marks about. Him com- competing and even being like a contributor on on special teams a little bit because he's not the fastest guy and uh, obviously speed is super important on special teams. Yeah, I think uh, another guy that I'm I'm really interested to see him on the field, but you know especially with the defensive switch is caught in kind of a tweener spot is uh, Colin Hill. You mm-hmm. know where um, 
he kind of, you know, a three four outside linebacker maybe was a better fit than in a four three defensive end. But um, you know, I kind of wonder. He's one of those guys that okay, he's he's an athlete, he's a football player. Let's see where we can fit him in. You know, um, so we'll see. I, I, hopefully, he'll be able to sit out the whole year and learn and, and develop, and, and we'll see what we get out of him. But okay, my uh, my least questions also. I, I had Watkins as well. I thought that was a bit of a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, my most questions, question marks or whatever, was uh, Bonner. Um, another guy I think is kind of a tweener as well. Mm. Um, similar to uh, Hill a little bit, I guess. But uh, I'm not sure he has quite the upside as Hill. So I think uh, he's someone I'm going to watch closely um, this year because I think he's, you know, he's got decent size. I don't think it's out of the question that he'll just automatically redshirt. But in yeah. terms of fit, I've got a lot of uh, questions with him. It's an interesting class. There's a lot of very athletic, developmental kind of guys in the front seven. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. This this uh, class. I mean, it's not filled with uh, the guys that are sure things, but there's a lot of guys I think with with high ceilings. Uh, you know, and hopefully they can get get to those ceilings because, yeah. um, I mean, a lot of a lot of really good athletes, but just got to find the right fit within the defense. Yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more more on the 2014 recruits. Um, my question to you guys is, which under-the-radar freshman do you think is going to surprise uh, in 2014? I would say Drew Drew Tranquil. Okay. The guy. That's one of my three guys I wrote down. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a really good athlete, and I think he's just a guy who's just a good football player, uh, a guy who's just going to find a spot. In the defense, you know, I think uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, Harrison Smith. Uh, I think Harrison Smith, you know, is a little bit faster uh, than him, but in the same kind of thing where Harrison Smith, you weren't sure if he was going to be a safety. He started linebacker one season. Um, I think Tranquil is going to outgrow playing a safety and probably play linebacker and kind of be in that same position that. Um, you know, John John Turner and uh, Anawalu are play the Sam mm-hmm. uh, for Notre Dame, but I think that uh, I mean he's going to be able to come in and compete. Uh, you know, whether or not he can pick everything up right away, but I definitely think he's a guy who's going to make an impact on special teams and fly down there and uh, and make tackles. And uh, you know, we've been kind of missing that. Uh, you know, the last kind of uh, guys that we had doing that were Collinsworth and uh, Bennett Jackson early in their careers and I can't really recall like anyone in the last two years who kind of who made an impact uh, on on special teams uh, you know as like uh, like a gunner or a guy making making plays right and it seemed like uh, you know, definitely. I mean, if there was any positive during the Charlie Weiss years, it was we always had guys who yeah. did that. Like, was it there was David a good Green. string of guys. It was yeah, Bruton um, and Anello and yeah, and uh, Sergio Brown and yeah, yeah, all those guys. Uh, you know, ended up. And you know, if you look at Bruton and Sergio Brown, have ended up being really having really good careers in the uh, NFL as uh, special teams guys. But I think Tranquil's a guy who can contribute right away there and. Uh, I really like his potential. I think he can be uh, a very good player. Who's your guy, Brendan? Uh, yeah, I think um, I don't know if I go so far as to say I think he will surprise, but I'll say he th- I think he could surprise in 2014. I, know, I, I love to hedge, by the way. Is uh, Grant Blankenship? You know, I know he's raw and he's got some stuff to learn, but he's just such an athletic specimen, and he's already, um, from what you hear, it sounds like he's already put on quite a bit of weight working out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to come in around 6'6", maybe as big as 280, um, 270, 280, somewhere in there. And he really, if he can put it together on the mental side of the game, um, you know, or the technique side, I'm not trying to say he can't pick up on things, but on the technique side, he, he might be able to force his way onto the field. The one guy that I circled was uh, Niall Sykes. Um, hmm. Just because, you know, there's some need at linebacker and kind of feels like he could fit in any of those three spots. He's probably not going to, you know, share time with Jalen Smith or anything, but um, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a need there for him, and uh, I think he's good enough to maybe, you know, see the field later in the year and have a nice freshman year if they don't automatically redshirt him, but I don't know. That's a guy I picked. 
I yeah, I like him a lot too. And if you you know if you watch a lot of his uh, his senior film because as a junior he played uh, as an end, right? Uh, but even as a linebacker, he wasn't really like an in the box type of guy all the time. And I think he'll start out at will, or that's where they've talked about him. But uh, I could see him contributing at Sam, them giving him a, sh- a shot at Sam too, mm-hmm. because uh, he played a lot, you know, like, you know, where he lined up, uh, you know, uh, out on a slot, wow. uh, you know, really good, like, blitzing off the edge there, too. So, yeah, I think that's a really good pick. All right. Um, now let's look ahead to 2015 here. Um, obviously, the quarterback of the class is now removed. Um, so as of June 8th, 2014, when we're taping this podcast, what is your biggest need in terms of position right now for Notre Dame? I think, you know, running back has to be up there, right? Yeah. With not having one in the last class. Um, I think uh, middle linebacker probably again, you know. We have to stock the numbers there a little bit. Um, I think safety is going to end up being a little thinner than we thought Mm -hmm. with guys moving. Uh, You know, Farley, Onwalo moving away. Well, I guess Onwalo was a receiver but came in as a safety. Um you know, so we'll we'll see how that works out, but yeah, probably probably running back has to be the top spot. Uh, for me, I had I had running back. I mean, I think that's a pretty obvious one, and it seems like we want to you know maybe take two uh, in this class. But uh, for me, it's defensive end uh, because there's just so many questions yeah. about defensive end of like the guys who are currently on the roster, and I think the the guys we got in the last recruiting class are a little bit more developmental guys. Like, uh, we don't know what we're going to get out of, like, Johnny Williams or um, or Blankenship or Bonner or whatever. Right. Like, we have to see, uh, you know, how those guys are going to progress. Or Trumbetti, even with positive early stuff. Oh, yeah, Trumbetti, too, who I forgot, yeah. forgot to mention. But yeah. uh, I, I think he's going to be a good player. But even then, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Ishak Williams is leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, he's he's not going to be be there. Um, you know, Aquara had a pretty good spring, but still, like, I mean, you got to see him do it in the fall. Right. And you know, so there, like, there's no guarantee that you know Romeo Aquara is going to be like a good player this year, right? So right. we could be really hurting at defensive ends, and I, I really don't. I mean, it's a little scary because I, I, you know, I say it's the biggest need. I don't think. Uh, Notre Dame's in that good of shape for, uh, uh, you know, some of the upper echelon defensive ends in this class. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, I we could be in a little bit of trouble if uh, if uh, they don't pick it up uh, yeah. with defensive end recruiting. It is kind of a tough situation. Like you said, they're waiting to see how these guys develop. But, you know, is six months going to be enough to really see where these guys are are sitting um, in terms of their development, and you know this is kind of with a new defensive coordinator. This this would be the kind of class this 2015 year where Brian Van Gord would probably like to take three or four defensive ends, but he might not be able to have that luxury. You know, we might be looking at one or two, and you want to have those guys be, you know, high four star guys or right. five star guy. Or, but uh, you know that, that puts you in a tough spot. The numbers, you know, you just took a whole bunch of defensive end types, but you don't know where they're going to be fitting in. In the future, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, that's definitely the most concerning uh, position. Um, you know, safety you can feel a little bit better about because of uh, Prentice McKinney, who I think is a, a good yeah. uh, a good pickup. Yeah, uh, you know, if he sticks, you know, you know, all, you know, everyone's got to stick, but um, he definitely uh, um, at least we we have a good body in there. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, my last question here as we wrap up our recruiting extravaganza podcast. Um, lots of talk about Justin Hilliard and Jay Sean Cornell. Um, they've even talked about playing together. We'll see if they follow through with that. Um, usually that doesn't happen. My question to you is you can pick only one of these players. Um, Hilliard's a linebacker. Cornell's kind of a defensive end slash defensive tackle, kind of depending on what his weight gain uh, what happens there? You can pick only one right now. Who are you guys picking for this class? 
I would take Hilliard. I know I just went on and on about how <laughs> defensive end is a huge uh, problem in recruiting. Uh, I just think Hilliard is more of a sure thing. Uh, I think he's the top linebacker in this uh, in this recruiting class. Um, I think he's the kind of guy like he's he's openly talked about. Uh, you know, trying to recruit guys and get guys to to um, uh, you know his school that he, he's ultimately going to choose, and uh, I just think he's uh, yeah, I just think it's it's just better for the whole um, you know cycle rather if rather than if if Hilliard say he chooses Ohio State, um, you know I could see guys that we were kind of in there for. Uh, following Hilliard, and uh, that that's that's concerning to me. So I, I I would say Hilliard. I think he's a he's a safer prospect and and a better prospect than than Cornell right now. Uh, but I would take Cornell. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I'd agree. I think I'd take Hilliard first. I think he's you know an elite player. Um, it is a position. Of need. I agree with what James was saying about defensive end too. But um, you know I'm not. 100% sold on Cornell. Um, not saying that he's not a great player, but um, you know the recruiting services vary pretty widely on on where he ranks. Um, there's some questions about you know is he full motor all the time, you know stuff like that. Um, so I, I I think I'd rather take Hilliard if that was the choice. I, I like both of them. Hey. <laughs> I think you know. I'm going to go against the green. I think I would take Cornell. Um, That's just because you're a contrarian. <laughs> you know, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, Jamie, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, usually you would take the better player. But I think I think we're going to be pretty good at linebacker with, um, cross your fingers, Jalen Smith playing through 2016. But at least another year uh, when these guys get on campus. Um, you know, Morgan, Sykes, Brahas, um, possibly Anand Bilal. I think we're going to be pretty set at linebacker. You know, we're not really used to that in Notre Dame. That's, you know, defensive lines. Uh, yeah, been about we're a lot. definitely not used to that. Um, but linebacker, you know, stretching back 10, 15 years, just a black hole of talent, especially from an NFL perspective. But, uh, mm. you know, you just talked about we need defensive end. I think I would, I would, you know, I don't think reaching is really the right word, but I think I would pick Cornell in this situation. But, uh, you know, Hill Hilliard's a great player and, Maybe tough to turn down with all the positive he can bring to your uh, recruiting class. Yeah, I think one thing to keep in mind as well is that um, you always hear Hilliard talking about. You hear Cornell's like, "I want to play with you know me and Justin Hilliard are going to play together." You don't hear Hilliard say, "I'm going to play." At least in the interviews that I've read, uh -huh. I, I haven't heard him say, um, "You know." Oh, I'm gonna play with this guy, or I'm going where this guy's going. Like, I think he's the kind of guy who's, no, these guys are gonna come play where I am. Yeah. I, I yeah. kind of, you know, so I kind of like that mentality too, where, um, you know, he's kind of trying to bring guys right. along. So uh, I kind yeah, of he, he, he definitely him. seems to have more of the leadership profile. Yeah. Too. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely with with Cornell, I it's man, I, it's it's a really really tough question because uh, uh, they're I mean they're both really really good players and um, Cornell is you know he's a guy that if you probably asked uh, six months ago I think everyone would have said Cornell because people were thinking Creighton Durham and he right. was getting a lot more hype as. You know, ESPN had him as their his, the number one guy in the the whole class, and he was getting a lot more hype. Uh, and I think just people, have, part of it might be in the back of my mind, him kind of not really, uh, you know, I like I think ND is in it for him, but I don't think they're, uh, you know, that I don't think uh, Notre Dame is at the top. For him, right. and I think Hilliard, it's, uh, you know, it's Notre Dame or Ohio State for Hilliard, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. so. All right, um, we're all fresh out of topics. You guys have anything else <laughs> to say before we get out of here? No, it's just, uh, you know, thanks for for doing this. This was fun. Yeah.
thanks for having me on. It's good to join join the crew. You know. All right, these are our two new writers. Uh, Brendan Riley, you know him on the site as Manor98, and Jamie Uyama, uh, also another new writer. Uh, I'm Eric Murtaugh, and we will see you, hopefully, in another couple of weeks on the One Foot Down podcast. See you later.